This episode of Happy Marks a Spot is brought to you by Revita Lash New Zealand, the original eyelash conditioner that's loved by millions of users worldwide. Even though I'd seen Revita Lash results all over Instagram, I was a massive skeptic before I started using it. It was actually one of my friends that convinced me to give it a go because they guarantee results. I couldn't believe I started to notice a difference after only a couple of weeks. My lashes looked friggin' amazing, and 18 months later, I'm still addicted. If you want to see results for yourself, head to revitalash.co.nz and use the code HAPPY for 10% off products site-wide. I am your host, Simone Anderson. Happy Marks the Spot is full of honest chats with awe-inspiring guests that I chat to about how to navigate through the journey of life, the highs, the lows, and everything in between, unlocking inner happiness in each and every day, every now and then, or simply when one can. Today, I want to welcome Lisa. Lisa is the founder of Eat My Lunch, which is one of New Zealand's most successful for-profit social businesses, which is on a mission to ensure that no child goes to school hungry. Now, before we get stuck into the business side of things, I'd love to know how this incredible idea came about and a little bit more about you and your upbringing. Tell me a bit about what your childhood was like. I was actually born in Hong Kong and uh, my parents brought us to New Zealand when I was about two years old. Oh, super young. Yeah. And yeah, they were your typical entrepreneurs and they kind of came to country, didn't know anyone, didn't know anything and started a Chinese restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) As you do. As you do. (laughs) So, you know, I remember just working around food from a very young age. Like I'd go, you know, and help out in the weekends when I was like maybe 10 years old or something, making desserts and things. So they've always kind of been very encouraging about starting my own business. And even at the age of 16, they offered to buy me a bakery really? to run. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but I'd seen really how hard it was for them. And I just thought, I just don't want to do that. And I thought, you know, the best path for me was to go to uni, get a degree, go and work in a big multinational somewhere and work my way up the corporate ladder. As we all thought coming out of school, right? That that was the only path. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, that's what I think most of my friends did. And so, so that's exactly what I did. I went to uni. I did a degree in languages and marketing. And then I got my first job at Fonterra. And with them, I was able to go and work overseas. So I worked for them in the Philippines for a few years and then went to the UK worked for Unilever, which is like my dream job. Oh my gosh, Um, that's incredible. What was that experience like? It was amazing because they, you know, they're kind of like one of the dream companies to work for. And what they really taught me was around, you know, really understanding your customers. We couldn't do anything at Unilever without customer research. And so they just taught me some really great disciplines around that. But then I got pregnant, uh, <laughs> came home, had the kids, you know, worked part-time. Because you've got in, two gorgeous kitties, is that correct? Yeah, Ella, she's 12, and Toby is 10. Oh, gorgeous. And, you know, when I was working with kids at home, I know something just, you kind of see things a little bit differently. And the career ambitions that I had, you know, I kind of realized that's not what I really wanted to do. And I was selling things like chips and chocolate and, you know, working for like Cadbury's and Bluebird and all these amazing companies. But the stuff I was selling, like I just wasn't really proud of. I wouldn't even bring them home for the kids. That really shows something, doesn't it? 
when you won't feed them to your own kiddies, yeah. yeah, is your passion really there? Exactly. And you start kind of thinking, you know, I just want to make a difference and actually do something really positive and, and leave a positive legacy for the kids. And I wanted their mum to do something that they're proud of, you know, rather than saying she just sold chips and chocolate <laughs> <laughs> and made everyone fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's actually almost five years to the day that – I remember seeing this news piece on Campbell Live and they were comparing lunchboxes of kids in Auckland at a decile 10 to a decile 1 school. I don't know if you've ever seen that. but Well, yeah. I actually had firsthand an experience from this because I grew up in a decile 10 school. I was at St Cuthbert's my whole life, year 1 to 13. So I only knew privilege and I only mm. knew healthy, beautiful lunches to the point where, mum, everything was homemade and home-baked. Everything was organic and whole foods. Um, And I actually took this so much for granted that I'd swap my beautiful homemade lunches for a packet of chippies or biscuits because I was never given that. And it wasn't until I think we, and later in high school, I might have been 16, we did a buddy swap with a DSL1 school in South Auckland. So we'd go out there for the day and we'd just spend time with the kids. And for me, it was at that point where... I noticed that most of the kids, if they even had lunch, it was of a packet form. Mm. It was a bag of chips and a 7-Up. And I was absolutely horrified. And it just gave me that perspective of how much I really was given my whole life. I never, ever had to go to school hungry. Mm. I was always given too much beautiful lunch. And it's something I always took for granted, often even wanting to throw my fruit in the bin. And that gave me, I felt sick, knowing that I'd taken so much of what was just my normal for granted. And I didn't realise how many children in New Zealand that this was their reality. Mm. Yeah, and I think most people don't. You know, even now we live in our little bubble and, you know, go about our daily lives and you don't really think about it. And then, you know, I saw this news piece and I was shocked and I just thought there's no way there could be kids in New Zealand going without. And yeah, it was five years to this day, basically, that I was on Waiheke, yeah, living my privileged life, yeah, yeah, taking my kids over for a weekend and having a glass of wine, you know, with a friend. And we were talking about it and I just was like, I really want to do something. And I happened to be wearing a pair of Tom's shoes. So I don't know if you know Tom's. Yeah, uh, sure do. Yeah. And I loved their model and, you know, so every pair of shoes someone buys, they give one to a kid in developing country. And I just thought, you know, that is such an awesome idea. Why don't we do it for lunch and help solve this issue of kids going to school with no lunches? And so that night, literally, I sat down with a friend who also worked in marketing and we, you know, were scribbling down all our thoughts and ideas and I the first name that popped into my head was Eat My Lunch. I don't know why. <laughs> well, it's a great yeah. name. <laughs> and, uh, and that kind of stuck. And I registered the company the next day. But it was one of those, you know, moments, and I'm sure everyone's gone through it, where you've come up with this idea and you think, oh, it's a really cool idea. But then you don't do anything about it. And I didn't do anything about it for months. Was it months? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and you know, I had this amazing job. I was back at Fonterra. Um, I was global marketing manager for Anchor. You know, I had the kids and a nice house and holidays and, you know, <laughs> really great, you know, life planned. And so starting a business didn't seem like it was the right time or the right thing to do. And it wasn't until months later, I actually entered a competition in a magazine. Did you? Yeah. 
what was the competition for? It was um, for Mind Food, actually. And they just asked female entrepreneurs if they had a good idea, they could enter this competition, win $5,000. It was so random. And I just casually kind of filled it out and sent it. And um, I got picked as one of the finalists. And I had to send in a video to explain my idea. And what I didn't realize was that they were going to share it all over social media and publicly. And so it got shared and, you know, people had to vote on the idea. I didn't win the competition, but what I realized was that the idea was out there. And now everyone knew about it. And everyone knew about it. And I was like, oh God, if I don't do it, (laughs) you know, someone else is going to. And so that was really, I think, the push that I needed to kind of go, actually, just do it and give it a go. And then basically, yeah, so that with my business partner, he kind of started working on it. I was still working at Fonterra. And full then time full and time. a family. Yeah, then come home, work on it until like one in the morning. We did that for a few months. And I was really lucky that I had met Chef Michael Meredith in a previous life, marketing mayonnaise. <laughs> uh, and so I went to him and I was just like, Michael, I've got this idea explained it to him what it was and he loved it and he's like, I really want to be a part of it. But he really wanted to be a shareholder and actually not just the face of it. So he became a shareholder and it took us about four months to get the business up and ready. And we launched in June 2015 from my home kitchen. And I because I've volunteered three times now and I remember first coming to your home and, and I just was absolutely shocked at this incredible production you had and with the trestle tables that you'd pull up and just everyone, everyone just went for it. They had their little role and it was just incredible. But in my mind, I'm quite OCD in nature. All I was thinking is how is this amazing woman allowing all of these people into (laughs) her home every single day from crazy hour in the morning? I think it was five o'clock we had to turn up and it was just transformed into this full-on production, and I was just in awe of that. And I just thought, you've got kids, you've got to get them off to school, yet you're still doing all of this from your family home in Auckland. Yeah, it was crazy, but we never thought it would grow so quickly either. You know, I think by the time you came in, Michael was like, okay, we can only make 200 lunches out of your house. I'm like, that's cool. That sounds like a lot. We'll probably take a year to get there, you know. And Um, you hit that in week two, am I correct? Yeah, so we just never expected that. Um, <laughs> when you're in the midst of it, you just have to do what you have to do to make it happen. And so every day we were down at Bunnings, like buying trestle tables. <laughs> One and, more to the car. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, getting another chiller um, in the garage. I don't know if you ever walked into our garage, but, you know, there was about six drinks chillers in there and, you know, a big chest freezer. And you kind of just make do. And, I mean, I... Some of the funnest times were those early days, you know, when you look back and you're like, how did we even do that? Like, you know, how, why were we grating like 60, you know, carrots in my little Kenwood food process every day? And, you know, why did we do that? And it, we look back and you're like, God, that was a bit silly. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you had to make do though. Yeah, you did what you had you to do. do. So, and it was a lot of fun because everyone kind of just mucked in. You know, we were up at four 
which for me, my main friends laugh because I am not a morning person at all. So, so 4 a.m., that was hard it for was you. really hard. <laughs> but um, the fact that everyone was coming into my house, I kind of had no choice anyway. Oh, you had to be up. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't sleep through that noise, no. I'm sure. And it was amazing because you could see it growing in front of your eyes and the number of people that were coming in to help, you know, that was incredible too. Like the fact that people actually wanted to come and help. And I was receiving emails all the time going, I'd love to come, I'd love to come. Even to the point where you ended up, you've got a wait list for volunteers, don't you? Yeah. I mean, right now we're booked up until the end of the year. And that's with businesses and organisations and schools. They all, you know, help and make that. That's incredible. Yeah. And that's the really amazing part of it. The part that wasn't as consciously planned. I mean, we always thought it'd be amazing to have volunteers to help um, make the lunches for the kids, but we didn't know how we were going to do it. And I always just thought we needed that to start, but it will probably be something people wouldn't be interested in doing after a little while. Yeah, long term. Yeah, but it's four and a half years now and people are still coming and it's really I think that really goes to show though when there's a cause out there that people resonate with just how much it does move them and how much they want to get up at 4am and they want to help and that you know it gives them an amazing reason to help out other people around New Zealand it's such a cool cause yeah and it's amazing to meet them all and you know, my corporate world, you only met people who were similar to you, who'd gone to uni and kind of did similar things to you. And through my lunch, like I've met the biggest variety of people across all the communities from, you know, the kids that we give lunches to, but everyone that comes in, you know, it doesn't matter who they are. It's a it kind of levels out and equalizes everything. Is that in itself just such a rewarding feeling? Yeah, because I think it makes it a place where anyone can contribute and you don't have to be privileged to do that. And you're right, you don't need money to help, do you? Yeah. You just need time and the energy to actually turn up show up and be there. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. You know, when you walk in to eat my lunch in the mornings and, you know, there's 50 people there and it's just buzzing and it's that feeling that you get, you know, that's the, I think that's a really special part of the business. Here is a quick message from our sponsor, Revitalash. If you follow me on Instagram, then you probably already know that I'm a massive fan of Revitalash. Personally, I use their eyelash conditioning serum every day. It's super easy to apply, one swipe directly to clean and dry lashes before makeup or skincare application. I keep mine with my toothbrush and use it in my evening routine. For ultimate natural lashes, I team Revitalash with a lash lift and intensify it with my favorite mascara, the Revitalash Double Ended Volume Set, which is further packed with nourishing ingredients. The results are so good, I hardly ever wear falsies anymore. And if you'd said this to me five years ago, this was Simone that would put on three sets of false lashes because I couldn't get enough. Now to actually love my own natural lashes, I like to call them, is a pretty amazing feeling. The lovely team at Revitalash New Zealand have given me a discount code so that you guys can try their amazing products for yourself. Use the code HAPPY for 10% off your order at revitalash.co.nz. Go on, beauties, go and try this for yourself. I mean, who doesn't want glorious, healthy-looking lashes coming into summer? I sure as heck do. Why do you think Eat My Lunch has been so successful? Is there a certain element or a a part of it that stands out from the rest of businesses in New Zealand? 
Well, I think, it, first of all, it's a business that has a really strong and clear purpose. You know, no one wants to get up just to make money for other people. They want to do something that actually is bigger than that and bigger than themselves and actually makes a difference. And so I think the purpose of Eat My Lunch, you know, why we started and why we're here is really clear. And people want to be a part of that. The second thing is it's incredibly simple. The idea, the concept of it, you know, when you buy a lunch, it gives a lunch. It's just so easy to understand. There's none of this, you know, maybe 10% goes to helping someone. You don't know what that actually means. Yeah, you don't, you're right. You don't know what that equates to. And in your head, it's sort of, you're like, oh, I wonder how much they're actually getting. Whereas with what you guys do, it is, it's super clear. You're giving a lunch. And it's really tangible and it's also really immediate, you know, so it's every day, it's to the schools in Auckland or in Wellington where you're buying lunch. And, you know, when you come in and volunteer and make the lunches, you're seeing it and you're seeing that difference and you know. You really know how many sandwiches there are going out. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, but having that real tangible and immediate impact makes it really appealing to people because quite often I think if you donate to charity or you give, you know, $100, you don't really see it and you don't really know who it's going to or how it's impacting them in a way. So far, you have given over 1.3 million lunches in just four years, and that is just mind-blowing to me. I'd love to know what you consider your biggest achievement to date. Oh, gosh. Well, I think we're still, you know, so far away from our goal. We want to feed 25,000 kids a day because that's what we think. A day. A day. That's the number that we estimate of number of kids going to school without lunch every day in New Zealand. Yeah, so it's massive. We're doing about two and a half thousand a day at the moment. So we're only at 10%. <laughs> so there's still a really long way to go. It's funny, I'm, I consider myself a bit of a futurist, so I'm always kind of thinking ahead. And, you know, when we hit our million last year, it was such a massive milestone, but I was already like, how do we get to the five? <laughs> you know, and... Um, I hope you did something to celebrate that million, though. (laughs) Had a glass of champagne. (laughs) No, we've had, um, you know, lots of milestones and lots of celebrations along the way. I mean, in terms of achievements, I think just building an incredibly strong values-driven business that people want to be a part of. And I get that every day, not just, you know, from the volunteers that come, but, you know, we have amazing business partners that just they're like here how can we help and we're just going to give you this stuff and ask for nothing in return and I'm always blown away by that coming from corporate world where you're always going well what's in it for me how do I prove my return on investment (laughs) and the sheer generosity I think of the community you know individuals businesses organizations that is uh, pretty mind-blowing and that makes me really happy to know that it exists Oh, absolutely. Well, you truly are doing an incredible thing. I'd love to know, what is your why? What drives you daily? Well, there's, for me, um, you know, for the business, it's that we have this responsibility to the community and to, you know, these vulnerable kids in our community. And we've made that commitment to two and a half thousand kids every day. And we have to get up and deliver that no matter what. Do you find that hard, that feeling of responsibility that you you have to show up every day? You have to do this. You've got so many people relying on you. What is that terrifying? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it puts, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, you know, and it's not just the kids, but like, you know, we have a team of 45 staff 
as well. So you've got to make it work so that we can pay them and, you know, they can have a fulfilling life. And, um, you know, so it's, it is a lot of responsibility when you own a business like this. But kind of ultimately what drives me is the legacy that I really want to leave for my kids. You know, I really want them to go out in the world to know that they are incredibly lucky and fortunate and not everyone else is like that. And I want them to kind of do something purposeful and meaningful with their life as well. Oh, well, you're absolutely paving the right path for them. You can see that through and through. Are there any resources that you've found that have helped you along this journey in creating such a successful business? Uh, it's other people, yeah. you know, and just surrounding yourself with people. Particularly, I think one of the great things is we recognise really early on you know, where the weaknesses were in the business, the skills that we bought and that we lacked and bringing other people on board to fill those gaps. Isn't that a powerful point when you actually realise what your weaknesses are and you can acknowledge someone else can do that better than me and you step back and you think my time is better spent elsewhere than trying to focus on the coding back end of a website, which <laughs> might take me four years to achieve that yeah. someone else can do in four minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. And even now, you know, as the business is growing, like we've just appointed a general manager. Oh, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> she just started yesterday. And that was really recognizing that the business needs to move into that next phase. And some of the skills that are required, I just don't have them. And uh, so bring in someone with that experience and leadership, you know, a bit more sales focus and background, she's going to be amazing for the business. And it's what Eat My Lunch needs right now. You'll get to those 25,000 lunches exactly. before you yeah. know it. <laughs> Is there any advice that you'd give to someone who's wanting to pursue their own passions? Yeah, I think it's really easy for us to talk about ideas and, you know, wanting to do things. Actually going out and doing it is a lot harder. But so much harder. Yeah. <laughs> but just take action. It's one of the key values around Eat My Lunch is that we just, it's all about action. We don't just talk. Taking little steps every day towards that dream or passion, whatever it is, as hard as it seems, because it's just so easy to make up lots of excuses about why you shouldn't. Totally. And often it's that first step that is the hardest of all the steps that you'll ever take. Yeah. It's that first plunge. And then from there, you're like, right, I'm doing this. You know, yeah. There's no turning back. Yeah. You need momentum, you know, and I think momentum creates more momentum. And so just taking action, taking little steps every day. And, you know, a lot of people told me at the start that they didn't think Eat My Lunch was a good idea. Including a bank manager, and I remember yeah, reading. Yeah, <laughs> And, you know, you can either let that kind of close options off for you or I like using that to feel me and kind of proving people wrong. That's a real motivator for me uh, when I'm being told that I can't do something. <laughs> and I'm like, right, I will do it. Just it's actually one you. of my biggest motivations in life is when someone says, you'll never achieve that. And I think, I'm going to do everything in my power yeah. to prove you wrong. And it will drive me <laughs> so much further. <laughs> what do you wish you had known when you'd first started out? I honestly did not think it was going to be that hard. <laughs> And maybe if I'd known that, I probably wouldn't have done it. Like, so it's it is, probably a good thing that you didn't yeah, know that, actually. Yeah. You know, it is incredibly hard work, and it's harder than any job 
I've ever had working for someone else. And, you know, the sheer level of responsibility, it can be quite lonely sometimes. You know, you are the the one making all the decisions. You know, you run everything. Everyone comes to you. There's not many people who understand the position that you're in. So surrounding yourself with other entrepreneurs or like-minded people to give you that support and advice, I think is really important. Because it hasn't come without sacrifice for you. I I was reading that your personal life has took a, a bad step in this whole process. So you threw everything into this, but that didn't mean that you weren't missing out in other areas of your life. And that must be challenging on its own. Yeah. I, you know, I think we all find it really hard in terms of balance of personal and business. And when you have your own business, it becomes personal. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, I mean, you know, the fact that we were in my house and it's just 24 seven and it's very hard to switch off. And yes, unfortunately, you know, something does have to give in that process. And it is just, you have to put all your energy into it, particularly in those first, you know, few years to really get it up and going. And even now, you know, it's really hard for me to step away. Oh, I bet. What you, obviously, your whole life is revolving around this business. How do you balance any sort of self-care or self-love or family time in this? Do you have any tips or tricks you could give other people out there who are probably struggling to do the same? Yeah, oh, look, I definitely struggled with it throughout this process. You know, I think actually having it at the home was really nice because the kids, kind of, they did just wake up in the morning and they'd wander <laughs> around the house and see everything that was going on and they could be a part of it. And so they actually understood what I was trying to do. Oh, they could see it firsthand, correct? Yeah, yeah, they'll help out here and there and as much as they could. And even now, like, you know, during the holidays, I'll make them come in and I'll make them work. Um. <laughs> oh, you that sort of mother. <laughs> Crack the work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it was just packing boxes or something, you know, I want them to kind of get a sense of, you know, working and earning as well. So, you know, having them be a part of it's been really nice getting help, you know, we got an au pair and that was amazing, particularly in the first couple of years. And now just building a team around me that I know can actually handle it and I don't feel like I have to do everything myself gives me like the weekends and most of my evenings free as well. Oh, that's such a nice point to get to. What are you most grateful for? I look at this journey specifically with Eat My Lunch and yes, there's lots of things why it's, you know, worked well and why it's happened. But, I, you know, there is a big element of luck and timing as well. And, you know, I am grateful not many businesses survive and not many businesses do as well as or grown as fast as we have done. And I think there's definitely a big element of luck in there. And I'm just grateful for all the people that really believe in what we do and as well as in me and my vision and my ability to deliver and execute on that. You just can't do any of this on your own. Do you feel that what you've managed to create brings you happiness? Yeah, I think, well, it's interesting that debate between, you know, happiness and fulfillment, and this definitely is an incredibly fulfilling part of my life. Just being able to get up every morning and go, I am making a difference every day. I feel incredibly fortunate to be in that position. Oh, absolutely. And there's not many people that can say that, that they're making a solid difference in their community every single day. Yeah. So that's huge. And so that is really fulfilling. I think, you know, happiness, you choose that. And there are certainly days (laughs) where I'm like, ah, (laughs) you 
for it's harder to choose the happiness. It's harder to choose that when lots is going on. But, um, you know, generally, yeah, I choose that. And just lots of things you learn along the way of, you know, letting go and not trying to control everything and knowing that you can't control everything in your life and stuff happens. Do you ever feel that you have any sort of self-critical voices? And if you do, how do you rein these back in? What are your tips to this? Yeah, I think it's so easy and being the kind of personality that I am and, you know, I'd say a lot of people in this kind of position as business owners, entrepreneurs are, you definitely have that voice. You know, people talk about imposter syndrome. I often doubt myself. And I remember when people wanted to start paying to hear me speak. And I'm like, why would they want to do that? There is a constant at the back of my head, some self-doubt about, yes, I do what I do, but why would people want to hear from me about that? And again, I think it's uh, having that network that you can talk to about it. And you know, people who are just so positive in your life and really supportive and kind of give you that confidence back and kind of going, come on, Lisa, you know. You've got this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can totally relate with that. I was talking down in Otago a couple of weeks ago at a woman in business event. And these are your MPs. These are your big corporates. These are people I was just absolutely honoured to be in a room with, let alone speaking aside. And the whole time I was thinking, why am I here? Why am I speaking beside them? And I had to remind myself, I have been asked to speak here for a reason. I'm not competing with them. I'm Mm. me and I've got my own message to share. But I did find that really hard. I was putting myself, trying to put myself on a level with them, but I'll never be on a level with them. We're all different and we're all unique and we all brought very different things to the table. But I definitely still had those feelings as I was flying down. I was like, <laughs> what am I bringing to the table? Why am I here? You know, these are incredible ladies doing incredible things. But it was just reminding myself that we're all doing amazing things in different ways yes. and that we all had an incredible message to share. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to end finding out from you, where is your happy place? Is there one specific spot or is it just a feeling? Do you know what I love? Like, I love it when it's raining. And I just crawl into bed, <laughs> pull the curtains and and watch like Netflix all <laughs> afternoon with my partner. That you know. sounds like an incredible happy spot. There's nothing better than rain on the roof. Thank you yeah. so much for coming in to chat to me today. It has been truly inspirational. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this Raw Collective podcast. Do not forget to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps others to find the show and literally just takes two seconds. And make sure you head to Raw Collective's Insta page or rawcollective.co for updates on this or any other of their shows. 